The nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first podcast of the Nonprofit MBA podcast for the new year. I think we're in our seventh season. Um, uh, we're in the top 1% of podcasts in our space, so in nonprofit space. I love our guests. I think our guests are amazing. And if you're trying to build your organization, I think you know, just listen to this podcast. You don't have to go to all these conferences. Really, the, the guests we have are amazing. Uh, and as far as an introduction goes, uh, I am, for those of you who don't know me, I am the co-founder uh, of Financing Solutions. And for the last 13 years, Financing Solutions has been the leading provider. And we are the leading provider. It's not just a word that people throw around of lines of credit for nonprofits in the United States. Um, it's a great product that people love. Um, it really helps. If, if you think you're unique and you have uneven cash flow, welcome to the nonprofit world. That's just the way it is. And that's what lines of, of credit help you with. It kind of evens out that cash flow. Um, and if you're interested in learning more, please visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Again, that's nonprofitmbapodcast.com. We have a sponsor this year, as, we, as we've had the last two years. Arrays Fast Fund Online is accounting software specifically made for small to medium-sized nonprofits. Um, it's really great. I mean, it's so much better than QuickBooks, um, and it allows you know really you to handle all the different things that a small to medium nonprofit, from accounting to fundraising to payroll, in one single solutions. It's designed by a CPA who's been in that space for forty years. Um, and today, uh, if you're interested in uh, learning more about Arrays, go to their website, arrays.com, A-R-A-I-Z-E.com, arrays.com. And today, I'm, um, I'd like to welcome our guest, John Carroll from City Leadership. And today, we're going to be talking about leading and managing a successful nonprofit, a nice start to this year, certainly. Um, but as far as John goes, John uh, Carroll is the Executive Director of City Leadership, and after several years of side consulting with nonprofits while serving as a past year at Fellowship uh, Memphis, John launched his own uh, to serve uh, uh, other nonprofit that helps service nonprofits, schools, churches, and government agencies. City, city leadership exists to recruit, develop, and, and catalyze leaders for the city of Memphis. They proactive, proactively identify the challenges of other leaders in, other, in our city and help find the best solutions possible to more effectively and efficiently achieve their mission. John, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Stephen. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, so John's um, uh, in Memphis and he got seven inches of snow and he's freaking out. He's like, uh, what's going on over here? Man, right. I know that a lot of you guys think seven inches is just child's play, uh, but for us, uh, man, it kind of shuts down the city. So we've got no schools. I'm working from home um, and uh, try, we're running out of groceries. Uh, we're not prepared for this. We're not ready for this life, Stephen. Well, give it a day. It'll be gone. So don't <laughs> worry. Well, actually, the cold snap's probably coming through there. So you're probably going to be stuck with it for a couple of days, right? <laughs> well, it's supposed to rain tomorrow, freezing rain, yet the the highlight yesterday was three. So uh, that, that's just a totally different world for Memphis, Tennessee. So. I get it. I get it. Well, you know, welcome to the rest of the world. So cool. 
All right, well, let's get on, on board here. Let's, uh, you know, before we even begin, let's talk about how big uh, city leadership is, the organization that you're the executive director of. Um, how many employees do you have working at city leadership? Yeah, we've got 20 FTEs. We, we started in 2010 and, um, and you know, originally just started, I wasn't even on staff. I just hired a couple of part-time people to help me do some work, um, really some, um, you know, contract labor stuff and started hiring uh, some full-time people. Uh, kind of 2011, 2012, and this thing is just snowballed, and we've had a blast uh, serving our community. And about three million dollars in revenue a year. How how come it's snowballed? Well, you know, um, honestly, we hit a little niche in this space. Um, you know, I was uh, I, I was a pastor, but actually, uh, in my that, that's kind of my nonprofit kind of intro. Uh, but I'm, I'm really a businessman and, um, and had several different uh, companies that I was doing. And uh, like most company leaders, uh, I, I got asked to make a donation to a nonprofit. And, and I, I kind of was like, man, instead of making that donation, let me see if I can actually help you solve your problem and bring some business uh, solutions to that. And so started City Leadership as a way to consult nonprofits with kind of for-profit business solutions, kind of the things that kind of come intuitively to us on the other side of the coin. And um, and so, I mean, we just hit a niche of orgs that really needed to scale, especially in 2010. There was a big opportunity in marketing and branding nonprofits and communicating their needs because a lot of them need to raise money, which you're obviously very much a part of. Uh, but they needed volunteers. Uh, they needed to recruit staff uh, and so um, and make impact and tell their story. And so uh, there was a big opportunity there. And, and as we solved that problem, more opportunities uh, uh, kind of. Uh, rose to the occasion. And as we brought excellence to that, um, you know, everybody started uh, asking for our help. And it's just been an honor uh, to serve our community in this way. So people, so how, how, how does your organization raise money? Yeah, great question. So um, when it started, uh, we, uh, we, I was funding it myself and we were working through some of that different kind of stuff. But what happened was, is that um, what we found was that there were large foundations funding dozens and dozens and dozens of nonprofits. And so um, we found ourselves as uh, kind of looking at, hey, um, instead of a large foundation that maybe is giving away 10, 15 million dollars a year across 50 different nonprofits, instead of funding everybody to have a web developer or a marketer or a videographer, what if you guys funded us? We put one videographer on staff and we provided those videos around for everybody. And so it became an economies of scale. And so um, so initially uh, our granting was, hey, here's a quarter million dollars a year. Hire some you know, marketing staff. And then it was, hey, here's a quarter million dollars a year. You know, why don't you hire some logistics or uh, you know, operational staff that can help guide other kind of services. And then we created a data team. Uh, we created a coaching team. And so. Um, We've actually become kind of a federation of about three dozen nonprofits, and we serve those nonprofits in a way that allows them to save hundreds of thousands of dollars each per year um, by concentrating the staff because they don't need those full time staff. They just need excellent services kind of on demand. Right. So you basically you're an outsourced organization that provides a variety of different services. Yeah. And if you don't have them on staff, you know the organizations to go to get it to get it done. Yep, so the large granting institutions would come to us and provide, you know, um, they would provide dollars to us to share uh, our services for free to organizations that they were already funding. And it created 
an incredible, uh, I guess, return on uh, their investment uh, and, and saved uh, them a lot of money and honestly saved the nonprofits a lot of focus and management of staff that they didn't normally know how to lead or be able to direct uh, and allowed us to be able to up the quality of the talent that was actually serving in that space. Um, and so uh, that became apparent. And that was really for the first 10 years. Over time, we've taken on some more services. And so um, we find ourselves, you know, um, serving the city in a catalytic way that has now uh, ended up being funded by some corporations, some state and federal dollars. Uh, and uh, even the city and the county uh, provide, you know, $50,000 here, $75,000 there uh, to uh, continue and scale our work uh, to be able to serve the city. Okay. Um, so, you know, today's podcast, of course, is about building a successful nonprofit. And I, I'm going to ask you first the three th- top things that you would recommend in building, building a, a successful nonprofit. And then we'll dive into some of those as well. So if you had to say, what are your top three, what are they? Man, you know, I think number one on building a successful nonprofit would be, is that you have a why, uh, for why, just why you exist. Um, you know, so oftentimes, um, people come to me all the time wanting to start a nonprofit uh, or they've started a nonprofit and they're doing a what they're, they're providing some what uh, to the community. Um, and it's something that they think that needs to happen, but they don't really have a why um, that really comes back to, um, you know, the really core of it. Because the reality is, is that, um, you know, volunteer work is really revolves around the what, but trying to turn a volunteer work into a scalable organization that deals with all the operational stuff of a, of a, you know, of a for-profit business and all the IRS stuff and uh, all the HR issues and uh, all the finances and everything else. Uh, it's really, really complicated. And just because you care about doing a what um, doesn't mean that you have a core why that can really push you through all that complication and all that frustration uh, that you're dealing with. And so, you know, starting with the why, and then that'll fuel your how, and then that'll allow you to do that what over and over and over and over and over again. And so, uh, you know, that golden circle theory definitely matters. But, you know, in our organization, what we say all the time is that, you know, if you're going to have a great uh, organization, everything rises and falls on leadership. And, uh, and so, you know, if you, again, you can have a big heart, you can have big compassion, but if you don't have leadership in the, in the right seat, seats, uh, you know, in that space, um, you are going to really, really struggle. And so uh, you've got to have the why, you've got to have leadership. And then, you know, as you build a team, if you're a nonprofit that's going to have a team and get out there, you know, a lot of nonprofits are tiny, tiny, tiny. But those of us that have built organizations and like our clients, we've got clients and everything from a dozen employees to, you know, 400 employees, Um, you know, and as we work with those clients, if they don't have, we say trust equals efficiency. And you have got to, as a leadership culture, develop a entire trust in your system that your people trust you, that they trust that their their why uh, is going to get able to uh, be able to make sure a lot of impactful what's over and over and over again. And that, you know, as they build that trust internally and as you build that trust with funders and your board and trust with the people that you serve, you know, that is the anchor point, you know, of so much work. And as trust equals efficiency, when you're able to see efficient work happen over and over and over again, that creates the momentum 
that really allows you to build impact in a huge way. So the first one is know your why. Right. What is the second of the three? That key key leadership, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, Okay. uh, Is what we say in the office. And we're going to back through these in a second, um, uh, in a little bit. But uh, and the third one that you would say is uh, one of the key ingredients? Trust equals efficiency. Yeah. So trust, you got to have your why, your leader and your trust. Okay. So, you know, um, I... You said uh, you came from the business background as well. And from your experience, what have you seen in nonprofits that businesses know? That businesses know, like the businesses like are the, able yeah, to. Yeah, what, what is the, we're talking about executive directors here, but let's say the, the owner of the company of a for-profit mm-hmm. company. What is it that they do that they know that they instinctually do that doesn't, that the nonprofits do not do very well? Yeah. Great question. So here's, here's what I'd say is um, in a for-profit company, um, you know, right or wrong or whatever, you, you get up every single day and you've, you've got to figure out how you make money. You know, you have to, you have to make money and every day you don't make money. Um, you know, you cannot persist as an organization, right? And so then you have to be productive. And then when you're out there toiling, you know, to make money, um, you know, one of the things that ends up happening is, is that it pushes for better excellence because you start thinking, as I'm working so hard, it needs to make more money or I need to do something different. Um, you know, a lot of people give up on their companies all the time because they don't make money, right? And so they'll go find an easier way to be able to do it because that's just their goal. At the end of the day, money is their goal and everything else is just, you know, a mousetrap trying to catch as much money as they can. And what ends up happening is they make their days more and more productive. Now, plenty of for-profit businesses are terrible. They're not productive. They go out of business, just like nonprofits that fail. But in the nonprofit world, there's something mystical about your mission instead of money. And what ends up happening is, is two things that are happening one person's life gets impacted and that is a big deal, right? But what ends up happening is, is that that is enough to make you warm and fuzzy, make you feel, you know, very grateful that you did that. Hey, hey, at least, at least we changed this one life. But what ends up not happening is, is that you don't really scale your resources about how do you change a thousand people, you know? And so, you know, if I'm in a for-profit business, if I sell one widget, and that's all I do all day long or all week long or all month long. I'm getting up every day going, I got to be able to sell a thousand widgets next month to be able to make this thing make sense. In the nonprofit world, a lot of times you change one life one day, one week, one month, and you're like, oh man, it all made a difference. But I want the nonprofit leaders to wake up and go, why am I not changing a thousand lives? You know, like, how can I impact a thousand people? Like, how can you really scale it and be motivated? We always say that. Nonprofit leaders kind of a little bit, they're willing to say, ah, you know, I can get to that tomorrow. We'll make a difference tomorrow. We'll, we'll get to it, whatever. Whereas in the for-profit, it's like, it's got to happen today. And I, and I want that energy to come over, you know, into the nonprofit world uh, in their impact. Well, let me read into a little bit about my own uh, observation about what you said. Yes, sir. Um, a for-profit business, 100% right. They, they are basically saying, if, if I don't make money, I can't stay in business. I right. can't employ the people I have. I can't 
service my customers. I can't, you know, the number one priority is how do I make money? The way the example you just gave me is how do I, you know, a executive director says, how can I service the people or the cause that I'm trying to help? And that's, that's completely different. That's like a business owner saying, how can I help my customers first? How can I help my customers? That's the most important thing. And that's not the way for profit businesses work. If you do that type of thing, you are out of business. Suppose your, suppose your customers require you, they say, oh, I want you to sell your product at $10 and the, and the product costs you $12 to make. Are, you're going to be out of business. Right. 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 So in my opinion, if you want to make the biggest impact in your organization as an executive director, I'm sorry, as uh, if your organization wants to make the biggest impact in your cause or your, uh, or the people you serve, you got to fundraise, you got it, or you got to figure out how to pay for it. You got to get grants, you got to mm-hmm. fundraise, you got donations. That has got to be your priority every single day. And, and, and now there's a lot that goes inside of that, knowing your yeah. why, knowing your what, yeah. knowing, you know, what, you know, how you serve your, how you serve people, you know, you got to know that. that those are like, it's like, you know, that's the nuts and bolts of running an organization. But honestly, if you're not thinking about raising money on a consistent basis, I mean, that's really what an executive director is responsible for. Um, now you can delegate some of that sometimes if you have a, you know, fundraising, but you know, you got to be on top of that stuff. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, you have to be on top of it. And, and honestly, Stephen, one of the things that we see in the marketplace is, is that, you know, executive directors who aren't on top of it, those orgs don't last very long. Um, now there are some unique examples out there where some organizations have significant funding. They have very secure long-term funding. They're not living month to month, um, you know, and honestly, when your top leadership is able to focus on your mission instead of money, we see those organizations actually able to make a greater impact. And so kind of to what you're saying is, is not only do you need to be able to focus on money, but you need to focus on really secure, you know, try to build it as much as you can. You know, um, it doesn't it, when it becomes this thing where you're running around scattered around it and you don't have a discipline around it. Your mission loses a ton, a ton of focus. And so, you know, in, in the business world, uh, all the time you hear it all the time. Return on investment. What's my return on investment? And obviously, if, it, if it, so investors going into your company, they want to know what they're going to get back. But even as if you're running a for profit business, you should think about my own life, my own time. What's the return on my investment into the for-profit industry? You know, when we're in the nonprofit world, we call it, what's your return on generosity? You know, what kind of return can I offer back to you as a return on your generosity? And, and, and what I want to see from a business side with nonprofits is I can be able to accept donations and then be able to tell you back, hey, because you donated that 1000 10000 100000 million dollars, this is the return on your generosity. This is what how your generosity goes further, makes a bigger impact, you know, um, by donating here to these spaces. And those are business principles, business skills. And you got to have the data that shows your efficiency in doing that. And when you have a high ROG, you're going to attract more funding. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, you know, I think the other part about it 
um, is, and, and most, uh, is in a for-profit world, they're looking how to build systems mm-hmm. and, and the most important system that they, that a, uh, a business owner, uh, or the president of company needs to have is how do we generate customers mm-hmm. and that are profitable for us? What is our lead generation system? What is our marketing system? And, you know, you mentioned, you know, really successful organizations that are in a nonprofit don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, I, I, as I was saying, like that, saying like you worry, you worry about so much, you make yeah, it. No, I, yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I, you know, but I, you know, listen, all the nonprofits that are listening today, they're, they're under, you know, $15 million, right. In revenue. Okay. If you, if you, I, I think the, I think that where that really significantly applies is when you're dealing with, you know, a much bigger budget over 15 million, maybe, you know, maybe 10 million. I, I think, but the difference there is you, you have to have a, your system in place. And let's go back to the original thing I said for a nonprofit executive director, you have to spend a lot of your time in fundraising regardless, you know, the, and building a system. So let me just put it this way, regardless of who the executive director is, the person can just come in and and you are still generating the same, if not more money because you built a system of fundraising. Right. So, And it's not you, the executive director, going up and going to 90% of the people who donated and right. schmoozing them. Right, right. Right? That's not the way it works. You know, <clears throat> you know, do you have a... Do you have a, um, uh, you know, do you have, are you, are you applying for grants? Are you, um, are you having a fundraising uh, campaigns? Do you have, um, do you have a, a fee for service of something that you provide? Uh, maybe sponsorship opportunities for corporations to, to, you know, to help with their branding. You know, do you, do you, do you have some type of way for some of the services that you provide to be paid for? Um, hmm. rather it be through state, state funding or, or federal funding, or even co-funding with the people who are, you know, uh, using your services, you know, uh, just like, an, you know, like medical insurance that make you pay $35 deductible, you know, whatever, um, you know, depends yeah. on your space. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, do you have that whole system in place? And it, because I think we all saw during COVID, you know, we're lucky that people, you know, stepped up and realized that nonprofits needed, needed the help. But it's interesting now that we're a couple of years outside of COVID, uh, at least those first years is as most of the people might know, uh, 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 donations have gone back to the level that was pre COVID. Yeah. We're seeing them even lower. You know, you're probably studying this even more than I am, but you know, what we're seeing is about 65% of nonprofit funding comes from individual donations. And that is the area that's dropped the most. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, obviously grants are down, foundations are down, you know, uh, state funding's all down two, 3%, but individual donations are down 11, 12%. And that, you know, increase on obviously all the cost of living and all that kind of stuff really pinching. And that's the stuff that I think your product is really interesting 
is because so many people counting on those individuals to come through towards the end of the year, you know, um, whether it's, you know, if you're trying to make your ends meet and you've got, uh, you know, 10, 30, 80 people who are writing that three, five, 10, 12, $15,000 check at the end of the year for your nonprofit. And when those start, when 10, 15, 20, of those less checks come in and your nonprofit all of a sudden has a, has a gap of a hundred, 200, $300,000 in a really predictable week. I, my guess would be is that your phone's ringing off the hook in January right now with people who are missing some, you know, between giving Tuesday and the end of the year, some real giving uh, opportunities. And so grateful that your products out there in the marketplace, what are you seeing on how that, is that trend going to come back? Is the giving we, coming we, back? Is it down forever? We just haven't seen in the 13 years we've been doing this. We have we haven't really seen um, a time of the year when it's just slow. It's, you know, we're, it's, it seems to be almost on a consistent basis that people need the, uh, a line of credit. So hmm. it, 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 it doesn't, you know, I would say, you know, maybe it slows down in the last two weeks of the year because people have the holidays, but, yeah. you know, but it's been, it's always pretty consistent and, you know, um, and also the, you know, the time that we, the time to get set up a line of credit is when you don't need it, you know, you right. kind of get it and, you know, and, you know, most people think about the line of credit when they need it. And that's not really the way, to, you know, you, you set it up in advance, but not everybody that's is proactive in way. Well, but especially so, like with grants falling through and different kind of stuff, because the bigger you get, I mean, we've got multiple clients. I mean, they've got 200, 300, 800, $750,000 grants they are supposed to be coming in regularly. And all of a sudden, just one of those you've been counting on for years, not come in at the right time. Um, and not having that line of credit already set up, you know, that, 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 yeah, that's where you get pitched, you know? So, so, you know, let's, let's go on to this idea that I have, like, um, you have experience both in the for-profit world and the nonprofit world. Yes. Sir. So let's yeah. say, um, you know, one of your best friends calls you up and, and, and <laughs> says, you know what, I, I have this nonprofit that's a, a million dollars in revenue and, um, John, I, you know, could you go in there as the executive director on a, on a for a year, right? And um, and you know, and and build it or fix it or something like that. Tell me some of the things that you would do. Um, you don't need to know about the organization. Tell me some of the things that you would just immediately start doing. Man, I, I mean, I think immediately it would be is I'd meet with every you know board member and staff member. And uh, I mean, like week one, I'd have in-depth, you know, because I'm trying to get caught up on, you know, where are we at? How do we get here? All those kinds of things. F try to figure out where the talent is, you know, where the, um, you know, where are the people who are really into this and where are the people who just kind of got hoodwinked into being on a board, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, where is that leverage? And, you know, uh, and then immediately once I figure out, you know, who those people are and building trust uh, with, you know, with that kind of talent, uh, you know, I'm breaking down into, all right, uh, here's who we are. Here's what we've got. Here's what we've got to work with. And then I'm going to that COO, CFO, obviously, in that first, you know, conversation and being able to say, all right, 
what is our you know runtime? You know, how much money do we have? You know, um, you know, to be able to operate as an organization, and where do those different fundings come in? Because if we don't have fuel for these people for this mission, it doesn't matter, right? And so, um, so there's no sense in trying to go out, uh, and, you know, be like, uh, you know, trying to do that Oregon Trail, you know, without any food in the wagon. Uh, you know, it's like we're we're not leaving anywhere till this wagon's full of all the supplies. You know, and so, um, so it'd be knowing where that is and then knowing where those pit stops are along the way and be able to predict, can we get from here to there, uh, you know, for our next fuel stop or we're not going anywhere. You know, we've got to control revenue expenses if we don't know where we're going to that next spot, you know, in, into that space. Uh, and then from there, once I look at those kind of things, then it would be marketing around what is our, what we always say in the for-profit space, I, I say the same thing in the nonprofit, what's our unfair advantage in the marketplace that we can exploit to be the most productive on our mission and to receive the most fuel for our mission. You know, and so what is it about our organization that is uniquely situated and be able to angle? And then so I make sure that we all understand that story and all of our operations around maximizing that one aspect. And then I make sure that everyone who funds our stuff uh, and everyone that works with our org understands why they pick us to either for their generosity or for the receiving of their needs to be met uh, through that process. And then we start moving forward and we try to get from here to that next fueling stop and, and continue making that progress along the way. Uh, and then as we're doing that, we invite more people to participate, you know, in, into that space. And, um, you know, obviously, I don't know anything about the word could involve you know, firing five people, or maybe it's there's revenue there and you hire five people. Uh, but uh, it probably involves, uh, you know, changing uh, some people out one way or the other. Hmm. So after you've done that, you, you look at the, the revenue stream coming in, you, you, you talk to the people, you probably typically find out what the problems were, um, what was done in the past, what worked, what didn't work. You know, you're doing all your legwork to kind of really understand things, to get a feel for the organization instinctually after that, what, and, and, you know, again, you're looking at your, you're running budgets and you're kind of running your cash flow analysis. Um, you're seeing if you can afford to keep the people on board that you have, cause you want to give yourself a runway, right? Right. You, you're basically saying I need to give myself a runway to yeah. fix, yeah. fix this ship. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately hard decisions need to be made. Um, so then what do you think, you know, and I go, this is a fictitious company, a uh, nonprofit, yeah. but what, what, what do you think is kind of your instincts? And we all put our own approach on it. Um, what, where do you think your next instincts would go to of where you put your time next? You know, I, uh, I think the, what I'm going to want to see is I want to see is how are we measuring the impact of our inputs into this space? And so where's our data, um, you know, that shows that um, we do a thing in our organization. Uh, we, we call it, you know, we, we forecast and harvest our time. And so, you know, just as in we think through all the money, um, we are very, uh, you know, very organized around how we think about our time. And so every week at the end of the week, we turn in how we spent every minute uh, of our week. And we look at where that balances, uh, how much was in administrative or direct contact or different kind of stuff. And then we forecast out, uh, you know, how we're going to spend our time over the next week, months and, and whatever, because 
especially how many employees I have, you know, that is a big, unique advantage of maximizing that team. And so I'm going to start adjusting and tweaking their forecast predicaments and be able to say, hey, you can only spend eight hours a week on this, or you have to invest as a team. You three need to be able to spend 22 hours a week for the next six weeks doing this and measuring how that input and uh, you know, actually impacts on that data. And then they're going, well, how do I do all these other things? And it's like, well, if we know all these other things, we're picking things to take out of your schedule. You're only doing 14 hours, everybody's going to 22 hours. And that's where we start dialing the knobs in on time uh, through different aspects of the work. And then we see what those results are. And we all get focused in and we bunker in and say, hey, we're gonna try this for six weeks. We're gonna try this for six days. We're gonna try this for six months, whatever makes sense for that organization. Uh, and then as we dial that in, and then we're going to keep measuring those different pieces and keep pulling those levers, figure out what we can quit, figure out what we can increase uh, and be able to maximize uh, the reality of that time. Because if we get better data uh, that shows we're making an impact, we're going to get more momentum from the staff. We're going to be able to tell that story to other people from you know uh, dollars standpoint of being able to say, hey, look, when we spend our time this way, we make this impact, you should invest on us. Here's your return on investment, right? Here's your return on generosity. And that's gonna keep telling, telling that story. It keeps the staff focused, keeps the staff productive, keeps them motivated, uh, helps serve more clients and helps honestly, uh, you know, recruit more dollars and be able to tell that story uh, for people to be able to be impacted. Yep. So the, the three things that we talked about, if you ran into, if you want, went in to run that organization, number one was get a lay of the land, speak to all the different people, the constituents, the, the board members, the employees, even the people that you're serving, get an idea, donors, you know, all, of what's going on there, you know, get an introduction into the company. Um, and then after that, you said, um, okay, let's look at the budget. Let's look at where the in revenue streams are coming in from. Uh, you know, do we have any ones that potentially uh, might not happen? Um, you know, look at the budget, put together a budget, decide where you're going to go from that. If you need to cut back in certain areas, if you need to put emphasis on um, uh, shoring up some of the funding. And the third one was, um, you know, build a case for how we measure our success. That way we can use it when we go to donors or we can go back to existing donors and let them know how their money's being spent and what it's doing. It helps you raise money for future other things such as grants and those other things. So those are the three areas that we all talked about there. Yeah, for sure. Just time matters. You know, um, time is something that we have a ton of control over, uh, just like money. And so um, you know, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, uh, those are the things we use to fuel you know, this mission. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're uh, we got to wrap it up, unfortunately, yes, the podcast, but, you know, I think the things that I've learned, you know, I've built seven companies, all right, over awesome. 30 years. And, and so the thing that I've learned is you pick, pick one of these things that we've talked about. Uh, hopefully I, you know, well, you pick the one that you think you need to do best. And, you know, the ones that um, John all mentioned were great ones. Um, and really, really focus on that. Don't go trying to do six, seven, or eight things. Focus on one thing. And, you know, usually you want to, what you want to do is you focus on that one thing that's going to have the biggest impact um, for, for your organization. So, 
Um, you know, we mentioned a couple of things today, so that maybe gives everybody here some ideas. Um, so it was a great podcast today. I'd like to thank so very much John Carroll from C- City Leadership for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe to your favorite podcasting app. And also, if you liked today's podcast or any of the other ones, please give us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out. Um, and if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can also visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. John, if anyone gets wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Man, you can email me directly. I'm just John, J-O-H-N, at cityleadership.org. Uh, you can find me on there. You can find me on socials. I'm on every social at John Carroll 77, the year I was born. John Carroll 77, two R's, two L's. I'm on every single social. Uh, and then you can go to cityleadership.org. You can check out our website and check out all our platforms and all of our clients. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, in- encouragement to everyone out there, make an impact on their mission. Go get it. You want a better tomorrow? Kick today's butt. John, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. So it's a start of a new year. I I end every podcast uh, really, really similarly. And that is just, uh, I know as the executive directors out there or, and anybody else who's listening, board directors and stuff like that, um, that you're trying to really make a huge impact in this world. And I, you know, both John and I thank you for that. Um, I just want to remind you that you are no good to your cause. Uh, You're no good to your employees, your staff. And yourself, if you don't think of yourself first, and you need to take what I mean by that is you need to take care of yourself first. You need to exercise. You need to eat right. You need to sleep. You need to take care of your family. You know, you need to have a social life. You know, these are all things that helps you to be a better leader at your organization. Um, and let's face it, uh, you know, there's a lot of problems out there and, you know, solving them is a marathon. It's not a sprint and you gotta be, you gotta, you know, f- you gotta harness that energy that you have. And one of the best ways of doing that is taking care of yourself instead of working those killer hours or, you know, you know, really getting stressed out over everything. So just keep that in mind in the new year. Maybe the first thing on your list is, you know, as soon as you get up every morning, what can I do today that really helps me? And, uh, and that'll help you become a better leader. Other than that, I want to thank everybody for listening. And it was a great podcast. And John was fantastic. And have a great new year, everybody. 